0: You know, when you say less niche, what my brain goes to is like traditional philosophy podcast. We don't really have an introduction usually. We say hi. I think most of the time we were like, "Oh, hello!" Last time we talked about yeah, uh, yeah, but like no? we we still have something, no? So uh, last time we talked about time capsules, and I got contacted by an um, anonymous teacher who pointed me that uh, time capsules is essentially what everyone does at school when you write the homework in your cahier text in French, in France, or like when you take notes, it's always like for your future self mm. to to remember them and uh, as a teacher, he was saying that he takes, he has this, uh, notebook where he has to write his lesson plan in advance. So it's also what you do for grocery shopping. So there's a lot short duration time capsules.
1: My, I don't know, fifth, fourth grade teacher, French teacher made us actually do a time capsule. Who opened it? No, not really a time capsule, but like every two weeks, she would make us write about our two weeks. And like, she wouldn't mark it. And like it's somewhere. Like somewhere I have like a notebook with 20 short like story about what happened the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, that's not really a time castle though. Time castles are destined from so- for someone in the future. That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: but I, I, I remember that she was saying that like it seems a bit dull right now, but like you will be happy to find that notebook when you're like whatever.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you're just not coming to that part yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but, but like I mean... It's, it wasn't a time capsule per se because it was not like talk to your 20 years old self. It was more like you will be happy when you're 20 years old. So it's a bit different, I guess. I mean,
0: you have all kinds of time capsules. It still counts in my book. <laughs>
1: what? Like it didn't count before and just because she told us like
0: it would make us <laughs> happy, then it counts. <laughs> that is a weird book you have. I guess what the, the what, what defines a time capsule is the intent of writing, right? If, if It's the, the recipient is, is the recipient sufficiently separated enough in time from you?
1: And are you self-aware that you will read it? Like you're writing for yourself to read it in the
0: future? Do you ever write without knowing the recipient? I guess maybe. No, but knowing that you are the recipient? I'm not sure. Well, you can do... T- there is time capsules for future generations. So it's not always about you. Mm. Mm. For future entities. Speaking of time capsules, A.Yaris, uh, e. long-time listener, uh was surprised to not see us mention quantum time locks. Because it's it sounds really cool when you put it that way. <laughs> Apparently quantum time locks are a new uh, kind of like the new craze of time capsules where the time capsule is mathematically guaranteed to be blocked for a certain amount of time Uh, a certain amount of computation time think a bit like blockchain through time kind of thing okay to which I immediately replied why would you ever need to prove your time capsule so like why would you ever need strong guarantees on your time capsules to which he replied then that it's used for lotteries for instance like you pick the lottery and then people bet. Mm knowing that the lottery has been uh, chosen fairly. And so this is the kind of time castles where you cannot cheat. You have to have this amount of computation happen or whatever. I should have looked up like examples in the world before bringing it up. But
1: no, that's interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's co- not completely useful, I guess. But well, it could be
0: used for bets. Like, know. Oh, I, I, I predict that uh, that this is going on and this is the definite proof that you predicted and you said so.
1: You c- No, it can be used for game like chess or uh, Go, where like a game is in two parts. So like you play like half of a game and then you go sleep and then you... <laughs> oh yeah,
0: because uh, right now they write their next move and seal them. It's still a sealed them. envelope, Something yeah.
1: Like that. that would be way cuter. That
0: would be way cuter, yeah. Still pretty minor in my, <laughs> in my
1: book. But <laughs> pretty minor, but it's an actual application. Yeah. That can be useful, I mean. Like, it's an actual use case.
0: So in the last episode, we didn't only talk about uh, time capsules. We also talked about propaganda, Disney, and I think maybe someone on... Tw- like, I think Otaku JP on Twitter sent me this link, or maybe I just uh, remembered it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that there is a smartphone game centered around Disney villains in Japan? It's basically a dating simulation where all the boys uh incarnations in a way of disney villains and they have whole they have all been designed by the character design of Black Butler. It's called Twisted Wonderland. and That's so twisted. That is so twisted. And so that's an interesting example because as they are modeled after villains, they have to respect the codes of like the color codes, etc. The codes of propaganda that we talked about. But yet they are presumably likable because people buy goods from there.
1: I mean, like the the like, the issue with japan is they have a very different sense of how to portray villain and they're always very i want to say fuckable <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> villains are always Well There is Even in uh, Western culture Fuckable villains We talked a little bit About that last time Obviously talk more about that and,
1: Yeah uh, Japan has a weird Sense of Like what villains are As well I think there are I don't know. Like, we can, yeah, I think maybe it's, like, too deep of a conversation for, like, a, a, by the way, but... Because you
0: can say that it's capitalism to sell goodies for the villain, but you can also say that maybe it's because of some kind of relativistic moral framework where yeah. maybe the villains... Maybe there's not such thing as absolute villain in their cultural unconscious... <laughs> unconscious. I don't know. It's a complicated question that we should think about.
1: And because it's a collectivist culture, I think everything that goes against the norm, even if they are heroes, are treated a bit differently. And I think maybe villains are treated the same ways as the heroes, like graphically, because they're just different than the norm. And then like, yeah, they choose, not choose, but like they do villainous things, but like it's a bit less obvious, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe we should have made the actual episode on Japan instead of Disney.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would maybe have been more interesting.
0: This episode is brought to you by you. The difference between this and our normal lives is that you are there to listen to it. And it is a conversation about you and with you and for you. So please, don't hesitate to come and contribute to our social networks on Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube.
1: Because I have vacation from the 24th to the 8th, so two weeks and a half, I was like, I need a project. And I the start, it was like writing project. The thing is, I don't feel there's any platform for me to put my stuff in that I like.
0: I mean, there's not that many platforms for original creation, right? There's a lot of... And everything is geared towards fanfiction. Yeah.
1: So my idea was to create first a small HTML website. Like I had like a vision for the last like months. Of just a very, like, brutalist design square thing with, like, each square is just, like, an original thing. An original short story? Is it Not not really a short story, but, like, an original writing thingy. Either that or, like, I'm, I'm starting to paint for the last six months. And I was like, maybe I can put, like, either drawing slash painting or either, like, writing. So, like, it needs to, like, have both things. And then I was like... Okay, so that's nice. That's a nice idea. Like, we can do that. I did that in literally now because it's only HTML. And I was like, yeah, but it would be nice if it was a platform. <laughs> and then, yes. And so you're making it in the platform? <laughs> because I feel like, okay, so I don't like whatever. Like, I don't think that, like, it will be a huge thing. But I do feel that, like, it feels a need that I have, which is putting my stuff somewhere where people can comment. Without liking or disliking it, you can only comment. And I do feel that there's no platform. Like, there's Medium in some sense. But, like, Medium is very, like, tech-focused. And, like, I don't I don't really like the community. And, like, it's too complicated. And I feel like just a very simple platform of text plus images with comments could be nice.
0: Well, the way I think about it from what you told me is... Uh like it it makes me think more that it's kind of like your portfolio or your, your personal website, right? Yes, maybe. Or, or a standalone art project, like a standalone gallery kind of. It's not like you're set out to be the next uh, fanfiction.net or whatever. It doesn't even matter if it's only your stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I think like the, the first idea was for only my stuff and I had a vision, an actual like vision that I wanted to have for the website and like to put my stuff in. But by doing it very fast, I was like, actually, I do think that because it's so minimalist, it could serve many people without like it being complicated. Because I feel like for original creators, there's no platform. And like maybe like even you for your short story, like you've done that on the blog and you put it on Tumblr, but like it's not like an actual thing. I feel like you could put, for
0: example, your short story on, on that kind of website. There's probably stuff. And there's always like WordPress or Tumblr or generic writing stuff. And there's communities of uh, communities of aspiring authors that also reread each other. But maybe we can talk a little bit about that one magazine that I discovered recently on Twitter. Uh, Yeah. So let me maybe introduce the platform. Uh, It's called After Dinner Conversation. So it's a magazine of short stories with the guideline of them having to have some sort of philosophical or ethical theme or undertone. And so they publish a magazine monthly and they leave some of the short stories for free on their websites. But after that, they take them down and everything is published on Amazon, on Kindle, I think. But yeah, essentially, so I I really found this interesting because that's the first time I found that, hey, someone else is doing short stories about philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What this platform proposes... Uh, on top of the short story is that they have the podcast where they discuss the short story and they leave each so- short story with uh, five to six discussion questions to, to open up the discussion. Kind of like a book club. I thought this was kind of cute even though it does feel like a high school homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I recommended you my favorite short story. So should we talk about it a little bit?
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. Like I've read it this morning so it's kind of fresh in my mind.
0: Since I introduced the plan Do you want to introduce the story?
1: Yeah, so again, it's a short story about uh, basically it start of Literally as Utopia. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. let's let's first say we're talking about the short story Rainbow People of the Glittering Glade. Written by David Schultz and in the that, that features in the December edition of the magazine, but is also quoted as the perfect example of what they're looking for on their subscription page, which is, I think, a great way to get into it.
1: <laughs> so the story is about an alternate universe uh, and you follow three people that
0: are looking for
1: an utopia. Uh, obviously, like, a lot of people are talking about the utopia and they're like, well, well, and as in each like Utopia um, book, what you have is a lot of talk about how is it, it is a dystopia. So like they're looking for what the wrong. trick, <laughs> yeah, what's what's trick is basically. I like and think we're gonna spoil it a lot, obviously. So if you want to pause the podcast, read it. I don't know. It takes twenty minutes to read and then come back. Uh, you're welcome to do so. But from this point, we're gonna spoil the thing a lot. Fair, Fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good, go. (laughs) So, okay, so the gist of the utopia is what? Is it's a perfect little, like, city and everyone lives happy. And the catch is you need to be useful for society to not become a statue.
0: okay that is a very short uh, (laughs) summary (laughs) i like it so essentially what's happening in that city in the middle of the desert is that the people decide if they like or not what you're doing and you get warnings was that it if you're not following the agreement of society little by little you get pushed to the outskirts of the city and you start to solidify as a statue? Is that it? Not really. Like, the only way to not become a
1: statue is to be voted democratically as worthy.
0: Worthy? Not necessarily useful. Yeah, yeah worthy. I think that's a big distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it is a big <laughs> distinction. But the issue is they don't really describe what's worthy. And I feel like the society and the citizens of this little city don't really know what worthy is either.
0: Yeah, it's pretty clear that it's, dem- uh, it's a democratic vote vote but i don't know if they're following any guideline (laughs) i don't think so so that's the first thing the second
1: thing as in every utopia like for it to be a utopia you need what i would call slave meaning like free labor and here like the free labor is not from human it's just like they solve that issue like the author solves this issue with magic so basically like water is come or stem from magic like everything kind of feel like it stem from magic like you don't need there's like magic solve the issue of eating by just like you can have like a magic spell thrown on you for you to be able to feed on like sun
0: and hair so your point is that this is not a sustainable uh, political system <laughs> exactly but what's interesting i feel like so you become you don't really become a
1: statue first you become like that kind i think they call it a draw yeah so you become like that kind of like mindless being and I've reread like this passage like a few times because I'm not sure I understand what the author mean by that.
0: Are they really mindless? Are they like normal? It's it's very glanced over, but it's yeah. also open to interpretation, right? And it can recoup a little bit what you were saying because these drills repeat the same action like gardening and so on. So they might be in some way produ- productive slaves.
1: No not really because like it's very clear in the story that they're doing mocking,
0: like mocking gardening, mocking Yes, uh, yeah, that's true. They're doing mock actions. So, so no, they're useless. And you cannot interact with them at all. Yeah. They don't respond. But the thing is, like, you can become worthy from that state.
1: And that's what I really don't understand.
0: Yeah, there's always... They make it clear that there's a lot of safety nets. That it's not slavery because you can always... Well, it's not genocide because you can always come back to the right path. But, like, that's why you...
1: See, yeah, but, like, that's why you see, like, the, the weirdness of this thing. Because, like, at one point, they're saying the droils are mindless, not human human entity and at the other end you say they say that this entity can re-become worthy by doing like x action.
0: I mean this probably is like a gradient of consciousness and they are very low consciousness but maybe they still have consciousness. Mm.
1: It would make sense that like then they're just saying in the story like that like the dwell are more and more mindless but they are not completely mindless until they become statues basically and at the status point like you can kill them apparently. So I, I feel like it would make sense. That that then like the consciousness level is just like linked to how much of a draw you are
0: i'm sure a reading of it that you would probably love is to see the draws as you know ayn rand's uh second-hander where well the the actual being in the cities live the true life for themselves and the draws outside are just corporate drones that don't have individuality
1: but it's it's like kind of transparently explained like that, no?
0: It's some. Um, it's a bit ambiguous though. You don't really know why they like you, you don't know what worthy means, so you don't know how to be it.
1: The thing is like you also see how their system fail with like the figure of the priest. She's deemed worthy of having, like, the blessings that would stop her to become a statue. And she's like, fuck that shit, I don't want it. And then she becomes a statue, basically. You
0: you can't become a statue against your will if you're... You, you can't become worthy against your will even if you're worthy. <laughs> and in, in a in a weird way, being worthy means accepting what yeah, yeah, all yeah. the others want of you. So it's like the opposite of what Ayn Rand would have wanted. <laughs> because it's the others who decide. Yes. Yes okay that's interesting
1: yeah, yeah i didn't think about that this way
0: so it's a bit uh yeah i mean that's what i like about this short story is that it opens up more questions than its uh, answers
1: it was a, it was a fun like it's rare that like such a small story is that interesting <laughs>
0: So this time, you're going to introduce the main topic. Ooh, I don't like to do that at all. Okay,
1: so today I'm going to introduce the topic, which I'm not sure about, but fine. So today we're going to talk about... So first, like some context, Uh, we were looking for kind of a Christmassy sim and we couldn't find one. And then we found that we're going to talk about buying stuff. Because what's more Christmassy than purchases? I was going say exactly that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, we were, we were thinking like, okay, let's talk about buying stuff.
0: And You had an elimination moment.
1: And I had an elimination moment, like a few weeks before that discussion, which is I always have a hard time deciding stuff for my life. And buying is kind of the simplest way to see the problem, meaning I have a hard time buying stuff because I think it's a perfect example of a decision where you can see the result of your action directly. So the idea is like, so the question that we're going to try to answer today is is buying the quintessential (laughs) example. that's good. Wait, wait, is buying the quintessential example of decision? of free will. Yeah, that's good. Very good. So the idea behind that was I have very little stuff in my house and not because well, first, because I don't want it, but also because it takes me very, very long to buy anything. For example, my cat tree, I have my cat for the last what six, seven months. I only bought the cat tree today, not because I didn't want a cat tree, not because my cat doesn't need a cat tree. Because I couldn't find the perfect country. Same thing happened with a Hoover, a vacuum cleaner for the Americans one.
0: Do you think think this is linked? That's because you have so few things, then each thing matters so much more? I think it's linked. Yeah, it is. I think it is linked. It's like, because I don't like stuff,
1: I don't want to have one thing that I don't like, I'm very my Kondo, uh, like before my Kondo, I guess, hipster <laughs> my Kondo. Well, that's a visionary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa. No, but w- w- what I mean is like, yeah, I don't like, I don't like to have too much objects. So like each object kind of make a huge change in my apartment because I can always see it because there's not that much stuff around it. But But the essential thing I think about it is that even in my life, like when it comes to like, Deciding my job, deciding my study, deciding where to go to eat or that kind of thing. I uh, always have a hard time deciding what I want and what I want.
0: Okay. But do you think this is just a you problem or that is a mind kind problem? Maybe people who own a lot of stuff don't mind that much. Uh...
1: I think it's not a everyone problem, meaning like a lot of people buy stuff without thinking about it twice. It doesn't mean... So my point is, it doesn't mean that it's not an expression of their decision. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't change who they are. Meaning uh, meaning when you make purchase decisions, for example, I want to buy. I don't know what my, well, my last purchase was a trash bin. I want to buy a trash bin. So either like I think most people, what would most people do? They would go to Costco and buy a random Trash Bin, like maybe the cheaper one, maybe whatever, like just a random one, a big enough one, but a random one,
0: the best one in the in the in the store,
1: the best one in the store that they are currently in. What I would do is way more complicated than that. I would like look for ten like all the characteristics of what a Trash Bin can do or like what a Trash Bin like, could do in the future, what are like the price point of Trash Bin, uh, how can it look like in my apartment.
0: Quantum time lock uh, trash bins.
1: <laughs> like, a, a, point to, a can it quantum time lock my my trash? And then I make, like, a decision of, okay, I'm going to spend N- X money on this magnificent trash bin that doesn't make noise and doesn't smell when it's closed. And I'm happy about that decision because I know everything about it. But that says something about me, which is I'm very... Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, but so to come back to the bigger picture then, so the question, the, the the fact that purchases are quintessentially capturing difficulties of the decision process is like, what, what makes purchasing so important compared to other decisions? So maybe not important, but like uh, descriptive, I guess.
1: Well, there's two things.
0: First and
1: foremost, I think the most important thing that came to mind first was that you have the feedback Directly,
0: directly and concretely, like it's very in your face.
1: It's very in your face. It's you have it like you pay your money and then you have an object in your life that you need to deal with.
0: This is concrete feedback, literally
1: concrete feedback, literal feedback. If you fucked up, you know it after five minutes of use, maybe ten. And it's an object so you can like actually break like you can just like put it in the trash. So you always have the decision to to get over it like meaning like i don't like that lamp, i can trash it i can like resell it i can like change I it. Mean,
0: there's a sunken cost though so that's what i was gonna what i was gonna ask like do you th- feel that every purchase is a reversible decision and does that make it less of a decision if it's reversible?
1: I think like because it is reversible, it is mainly reversible. If you talk about, I don't know, a house like being re- like it's well, in a sense, it is reversible. Obviously, it's kind of hard, but like, I don't think the hard part is essential to our discussion, but it essentially like a process is essentially reversible in par- like per definition kind of. And because it is reversible, it actually is more of a decision than anything else because you can always say, no, I want to go back to my previous state, which is not true for any other kind of decision.
0: But is it, is it really like, I mean, is it really a decision if you can cancel it just like that? It, no, but it
1: is because it's a decision that you can make every, that, that like you can, it's not can, it's like, is your making every day.
0: Yeah, oh, that, that's it's a decision that you have to sustain in a Exactly, way. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, it's much more, it's, it's much. There's much more weight to buy a trash can than to decide to go live with someone, in a sense. <laughs>
0: in a way. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pass for a psychotic pass. I mean, g- decide to go live with someone is also reversible. But it's not done. Uh, no, no, no. It is. It is. I mean, it, it's all the, a matter of reversibility cost, right? And so, since the reversibility cost is low, you kind of have to agree with your decision kind of like more often, continuously. continuously. Whereas, if you're living with someone, you can't just like maybe you, you think about stopping or whatever, but like you, it's not as easy to go back. So, sunk cost is actually matters much.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I feel, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the second thing before I think we can go a bit deeper on that, but before that, maybe there's something I can't link it that well, but maybe there's something about it, which is money.
0: I wanted to talk about money, so
1: because like one big difference between other kind of decision, even if money is involved, like for example living with someone, money is involved, uh deciding a career, money is involved, deciding a university, money can be involved as well. Like money is involved in a lot of like human stuff, I guess. But in an item purchase, money have a much stronger link, which is an actual. I mean, yeah, you, you,
0: pay, you pay pure money and you get pure consequence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's like a direct link. And it's also like there's a direct link. And much more than that, the value of the object is a character Like the monetary value of an object is a characteristic of said object without talking about the exchange of goods. Meaning, obviously, so a mouse for your computer is 10 bucks. 10 bucks is what you will give to have the mouse, but also one characteristic of the mouse is that it's valued at 10 bucks. Doesn't
0: that make the decision super complicated because it's a bit circular in a way? That the value of the mouse, the perceived value of the mouse is factored in the actual value of the mouse? Actually, I'm just thinking about something. I mean, that's complicated. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about money because I have very little uh, background in economics. But money is supposed to be like the value, the objective value scale on which you can, on which you're supposed to project things. It's the, the, it's the exchange uh <laughs> exchange ladder on which you project your your transactions so in in that sense a purchase is definitely the purest form of of decision making because it's actually giving this absolute objective value to an object oh that's interesting to a, a thing and I guess it also make the, the fact that you have this ladder of value makes comparison maybe easy or something like that. So I can definitely see how the fact that it's so close to the notion of money makes purchases uh the yeah, purest form of decision in a way.
1: Uh, I would guess like I, I would I would push the- the sort of it makes it easier uh, than any other kind of decision because you can compare like when you buy something, you compare it with a value system that is intrinsic to basically everything in the capitalistic world, and that you have earned or like created with like your life. So one one dollar or one euros for someone is worth something but this something is kind of clear in your hand. Yeah, by
0: removing all the unclarity, you just get down to the essence of the decision.
1: Yeah, to the actual feature set, basically.
0: It's not a matter of like unknown, uh, there's there's less unknowns because you have this clear scale of what things are worth and you can just pass your judgment on it.
1: I can see one... Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can see one counter argument, which would be uh, when you see that, like how much people buy stuff on Instagram, for example, uh, clearly it's impul- in the, like, it's like what they call impulse processes, which is like they see an ad and they buy it and they're not even sure about their needs.
0: Yeah. So the point is that it doesn't really work for impulse, impulse purchases.
1: Yeah, well, that's like the point. And my counter argument is that like that's complete bullshit because you still make the decision to purchase the thing. And and that's why I wanted to talk about Sartre. like Sartre is like, we don't need to like quote him at all. We just need to say that you have the freedom to. I don't compl- agree with Sartre, but whatever. <laughs> you, you you have the freedom to not buy the stuff. You don't so, want
0: to. so Sartre is saying that you always or with author yourself in all of your choices? Is that why you wanted to bring it up? Yeah,
1: I, I wanted to bring up the fact that I think some people would say that when you purchase things because of, a, of an ad and why you impulse purchase a thing, you don't make the conscious decision. Basically, you're not a master of yourself and you don't have to, but like it's kind of like an automatic purchase. And what I wanted to say is like, if you don't, there's two choices. Either you don't think that human have free will and then you are not a master of yourself and it's fine but like then for every decision you're not a master of yourself and you need to expand that to everything or is using like art which is you are master of yourself for every decision and you have free will for everything and then the decision of buying something is defining you as a human being mm-hmm.
0: Today's sponsor is that each that you want to scratch but are fighting. You've been so brave not thinking about it for the last 10 minutes. Why did this damn show remind you of it? I mean, maybe you should just scratch it a little. Maybe that's okay. So maybe a last point I wanted to discuss. We talked about decision purchasing, etc. But... We're doing all of this in the context of Christmas and one thing that I'm more and more uncomfortable with when it comes to Christmas or birthdays or etc. is that you're kind of like obliged to buy for other people. There's such a big social pressure so you have to buy something which by the way Uh, Usually the person doesn't have or need, otherwise it's not a surprise. Awful. So, And you probably need to buy something material, which we less and less need, like DVDs or whatever. So there's all this coercion that comes into it. So can we really talk about decision in this context where you have so many factors coercing you into something you presumably don't want to do though you still I, I understand that you have the, the, the you always have the option of saying no and being socially shunned but <laughs> I, uh, I I I want to answer very personally
1: and then maybe like go a bit more theoretically I guess because like I feel you more and more like the older i get the less i want to have gifts like my last birthday i was like no let's just bring some champ- if you want to have a gift like let's just bring champagne and we'll drink it
0: consumable gifts are a good uh, gateway out of this problem by the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if anyone wants a tip
1: <laughs> yeah because then you consume it and it's not there anymore and I think like for Christmas, the same thing happens. Like my mother asked me, my sister asked me, what do you want? I'm like, well, I don't want anything. Oh, but it's Christmas. I'm like, okay. Uh, so it's always a bit hard. And when it comes to me buying stuff, like for example, for Christmas, I'm in, I'm in the same boat as everyone. Like I need to buy christmas gift for my sister for my parents for my grandmother it's
0: completely bypassing the the whole decision cycle that we were talking about because the decision cycle they ask you what you want and you say nothing and then like you still have to buy something
1: i don't think that it makes any difference on making decision or not for example like for my sister i had a, I had a really hard time finding gift for her but i made the exact same decision except without complete knowledge of like what she needs and what she thinks and etc so it's more of a guess a <laughs> shot in the dark uh, it's more of a yeah I'm guessing like okay like she likes to eat so maybe I can buy I don't know I bought a, a Himalayan salt block
0: but she wouldn't have bought her anything if it hadn't been for Christmas no so so, so it completely threw off your decision process but not really so because like it just so
1: events happen in your life where you need to make decisions. It doesn't make them less of a decision. When you finish high school, you need to, to find like either a university or what to do basically with your life now, and it, it don't upon you. And then you need to make a decision. I think Christmas is the same way. It's just like a time of the year when you need to buy, when you need to make buying purchases,
0: I guess, I guess that's a very good point but it robs you of the possibility of not buying anything there's always this possibility it's just the cost is really high (laughs) the social cost is really high you can always be that asshole
1: but I don't think you want to so you you need to
0: see so there's so many so much muddle coming from social pressures to to do the right thing to keep the gift you don't want and stuff like that that I wonder if we can still say that it's an expression of yourself since I mean, it's certainly an expression of how you deal with all these social pressures, but... uh
1: so, Some, if not most, of gift-giving is from, like, not a lot of people take a lot of time to choose the right gift. And I think that shows how little they think about their purchases in
0: general. That is itself uh, the, uh, the quintessential expression of their free will? Yeah, of their, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe, actually, you're right that it's a quintessential representation of decision, but decision have so many more factors, so much social, like, external pressures and stuff to... It reminds me of The Good Place, really. Like, you cannot understand and fathom all the ramifications of your decision. (laughs) And I guess in that way, it's a very good representation of it.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, it is. It's kind of like each time like the object that you buy is a representation of if you're going to evil or hell Hell. maybe it's
0: it is it is actually uh, the summum of the ambiguity inherent to free will (laughs) in the act of purchasing more than anywhere else you can see clearly all these problematics but i guess that also means that there is no clear answer and christmas is the celebration of that (laughs) happy holidays holidays, everyone (laughs) We didn't say goodbye, so I want to say goodbye. Oh, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. No, but so, yeah. We saw that purchasing can be seen at least as a quintessential form of decision-making, free will expression, whatever. And so in this holiday period, whether you celebrate Christmas or anything else, we can imagine that you're celebrating purchasing. That is the ultimate celebration of mankind and so happy holidays everyone the best present you could ever do to us is any kind of sign of life on (laughs) YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, Gmail everything's not daily podcast all in one word and we'll see you you next next, year